We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. They're going to kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Welcome to the Rotoware NBA podcast. It is Monday, November 7th. Nick Whalen here with Rotowire's James Anderson, who is fresh off of a trip to Arizona doing baseball things, uh, the Arizona Fall League, if I remember correctly. How was that? That was great. I had a lot of fun watching uh, some games in the sun and, and drinking some beers with some, some friends from uh, the baseball, the fantasy baseball That's industry. Mine. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a great time. It was much needed after the long season to kind of just recharge mm-hmm. the batteries and 
made sure to get back in time to, to in case you know DJ Trainer wasn't here for the podcast, I would I'd be able to fill in. Yeah, for I him. knew I knew I'd talked to you over the weekend. You just could not wait to get back here to co-host a, a basketball podcast on Monday yeah. afternoon. My but, body but was are. in Phoenix, but my mind was just with the <laughs> the RotoWire podcasting empire. So. I wasn't in the office on Friday. When I left on Thursday, uh, you and, and Derek Van Riper were in the process of packing up a suitcase with beer, just beer. And this is like a, yes. like a luggage suitcase that you would put clothing in. It was not optimized for the transportation of beer. So how did that go? You just, you just brought like a, a regular suitcase full of alcohol through security and then it was fine? Well, I checked. I mean, there was a checked bag, right? So right. Uh, the you're obviously not allowed to bring any kind of uh, liquids of that size right. through, you know, onto the plane. And then, uh, he was flying Southwest and they have a maximum, uh, for beverages, even in the check bags. I don't know how strictly they enforce that, but just to be safe, uh, I ended up checking it. I was flying United. You didn't uh, go spirit. He did a, okay. Um, <laughs> RIP, <laughs> RIP, RIP spirit. Um, so Derek had originally weighed the bag, but then we decided to take out some bottles and substitute them for cans because uh, the bottles were kind of a, a bit more of a pain to, to pack. And Derek did not weigh it after that, and I ended up being uh, two pounds heavy Ooh. when I when I weighed in. And I kind of scrambled, I panicked, and I, I got rid of uh, one of our better four-packs oh, no. accidentally. Um, regretted that. Wish I wish I could have it back. But When you say got rid of it, does that mean you just drank it quick on the spot? You know, I would have considered drinking at least one or two of them on the spot if it hadn't been six in the morning. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it was kind of inopportune time of day to to get rid of those by any means other mm-hmm. than just kind of handing them over to the the lady and just being like all right well here you go yeah um, good deal for her but yeah i mean a lot of that's that's kind of something that you know saris from fangrass has done that in years past and uh you know he a lot of a lot of people kind of bring their own some people are able to drive that live in california mm-hmm. and so uh you know everyone just sort of brings a little something and um yeah it worked out worked out pretty well uh and being from Wisconsin, do they, is like the expectation higher for you guys? You know, I think uh, I think people in Wisconsin or the Midwest sort of have a a sense like they think that like all the all the good beers from around here, and um, you know, a lot of the good beers from the Midwest. But uh, there's some really good breweries on both coasts too. So I think uh, the bar is kind of just high, regardless of where you're bringing it from. Yeah, um, I, I tried and failed to in my bid to get Ham's Light included uh, on this on this particular trip, but I think next year I'll be back at it. Uh, that's Are you cheating on Ham's Light with Cool Light? See, I hoped it wouldn't come to this. I figured it would. Uh, I don't have anything prepared. Yeah, I, I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have fired off that Snapchat to you guys. But yeah, so I went in with the intent to buy Ham's Light the other night, and there's Cool Light. First of all, they were giving away Cool Light samples, spelled K U L. Yeah, there's like with a, a umlaut with yeah, a U. Right. Uh, I don't cool. know. If, I don't think it's German. I think it's yeah. just. I'm, I really don't know anything about it. But there was like pallets of it. You yep. know, so you could buy a 24 pack pallet for seven bucks. Yep. Uh, and I did because <laughs> you know, anytime you have an opportunity to buy something like that in bulk, you have to do it. Right. Um, you know, I don't hate it. <laughs> I that you know that that's the best really endorsement that I can give uh, to a beer like Cool Light. So you know, 
Cool Light. And if you'd like to sponsor the podcast, <laughs> you know you know where to find us. Uh, let's talk about the the Staff Keeper League real quickly. Um, I just got an email like literally four minutes before we came in here uh, that said you picked up CJ Miles. So congrats on that big acquisition. Um, Pretty cool. But but yeah, Nash Team Nash rules everything around me. Currently bringing up the rear. It's still, of course, very early in the season, just the start of week three. Uh, but but you know, kind of what what's the state of the franchise right now? Uh, yeah. So I I kind of uh, made a couple moves that you know I made the the Draymond Green for Zach Levine trade. Uh, big difference in the contracts of those two guys in, before the season, and I also ended up uh, drafting Ben Simmons or buying Ben Simmons in the auction, uh, which I didn't plan on doing, but I just I he was going for seven dollars, so I I bought him. So I was a little worried kind of going into the year that I might be sort of in no man's land of of having a bunch of awesome assets and, and feeling really good about my long term ability to compete in the league, but maybe not having as many guys that are like in their primes uh that could that could help me win the league this year. I'm definitely not panicking at all. Uh have guys like uh, Victor Oladipo, Derek Favors, uh, even Devin Booker, who's been hot lately. He's he's not been a top 100 player overall for for Roto. Uh, Clint Capella, Ronda Hellas Jefferson, even guys like Stephen Adams, uh, who just aren't quite doing what I what I expect them to do going forward. So I think at the, my team's at the very at the very worst, uh, middle of the pack team in this league. So I'm not I'm not super worried, but. Uh, I do have guys like an expiring uh, Russell Westbrook, expiring Paul George, who I, if if things just don't turn around, say by mid December, then I'll, I'll start to make those guys available and and look to next year. Yeah, at what point, whether it's a league like this or or another format, like do you really start feeling comfortable? You know, like when do you feel like you really know if you're going to contend or if you're not going to contend or if you're just going to be stuck in that middle? So. NBA to me is is a little different than baseball. Uh, like baseball, I usually like to give it at least two months, sometimes even three months, because it's just you know slumps and stuff like that can last that long. Uh, bad luck and, and stuff like that can really play a factor. But with basketball, I feel like your the talent of your players and their role on their teams is kind of pretty well established after after a month or so. Um, there might be some things with, you know, like Derek Favors, you know, not, you know, being on a minutes limit and stuff like that is pushing down his production. Uh, it's it's too early, I think, to, to really kind of judge whether or not your, your team is a contender or, or not just yet. But I think after a month, you know, five weeks, six weeks, I think by then you should have a pretty good idea at just kind of where you are in the standings. I mean, if you're, if you're in last place or, or – you know, bottom three after five or six weeks, I think it's fair to, to go into sell mode. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned, uh, Devin Booker. I, I think he, he broke out, I guess, over the weekend, 38 points, uh, against New Orleans on Friday. That was a career high. And then he followed it up by breaking that career high on Sunday with 39, uh, against the Lakers, but he hasn't really shot the ball all that well from deep, which has kind of been surprising. I mean, this is a guy who, who kind of makes his living in that regard. He did in um, those games. But he, like, he, he did. He hadn't before that. Yeah. But he also didn't shoot it all that well last season. I mean, 34% for a rookie is, is pretty good, but I think I feel like he has a reputation of being a better or a more efficient three-point shooter than that. Uh, and through six games, you know, which is still such a small sample, 
he's only hitting 32% of his threes, and he's, he's taking more than five per game. You would think eventually that probably creeps more towards 35, 36, maybe even 37, 38. Yeah, there were a lot of things going on last year with him that I kind of want to give him a pass for the, the low percentage. I mean, first, I mean, low being 34%. I mean, not if, terrible. If, if Russell Westbrook ever shot 34% from three-point range, then people would be writing features about it. Uh, Devin Booker is 20 years old. Last year, especially towards the end of last year when he was getting the most of his shots up, he was kind of a one-man show on that team. Like, there there was no reason for him to ever be open. So I feel like a lot of those looks probably mm-hmm. uh, weren't as great as, as they could be. So, yeah, I think – I mean, he definitely just passes the eye test, passes, um, you know, what he did in college, and given his age and everything, I, this – should be a guy that's shooting around 40 percent uh sooner than later yeah i'm not too worried about devin booker um i mean tj warren has been maybe even the bigger story out of phoenix i think we kind of expected this kind of production from devin booker but not quite so much out of warren i mean the talent is undeniably there uh but this is a guy who's or go ahead well i was just gonna say if you if you told anyone that he was going to be playing 37 minutes a game uh He's shooting 18 times a game. Yeah, that's, so, yeah, that's the other thing. Like, like, the volume is off the charts. Nobody has ever doubted this guy's ability to score in, no. in the half court especially. Uh, so I'm not surprised at all by what he's doing just given the minutes and the shots. I mean, this he's not a guy that previous coaches have been willing to, to give that mm-hmm. kind of a – that size role in an offense too. So that part, you know, you didn't know that going in on draft day – that you were going to be able to get this kind of usage out mm-hmm. of him. So now and now it looks like he's in for a big year. Yeah, 20.4 PER thus far for Warren. Uh, that's six points higher than Booker. That's the highest on the team. Booker and Warren pretty much lead this Suns team in everything uh, except for assists and rebounds. You know, Booker's just behind Bledsoe there, and then Tyson Chandler leads the team in rebounds. But, um, I mean, it, Brandon Knight, or, uh, yeah, Brandon Knight, I should say, has been marginalized. You know, coming off the bench, he has logged one start through those first seven games. I mean, Phoenix is two and five. They, they certainly haven't looked great. Uh, but Knight's struggling. Uh, Bledsoe's played well, but I think Booker and Warren playing as well as they have has kind of cut into Bledsoe's production. Yeah, it's not, he's not the type of guy either that is, he needs to be kind of in a role, I feel, where he feels empowered. I think he's not the type of guy who I think is going to react to a diminished role like that right. and just grab the bull by the horns and like kind of get back in into a groove. I think that this is a type of situation that could go south to the point where they might want to trade him and his trade value might just take a huge hit because of the the change in roles. Then they might start thinking about trading a guy like Eric Bledsoe and it's just I think one of the two, right? It's, like it's not a you don't if you're building this team like this this is a team that that wants to be picking in the top 3 next year should yeah. uh they have you could argue their three or at least two of their three most important long-term assets are guys like Booker and Dragon Bender who you know are are a long ways off from hitting their prime 18 and 20 years old right so do having does having two point guards who are in their mid 20s does that really make a ton of sense especially in a draft where the best player on the board might yeah. be a point guard, it, yeah. it seems like you're the worst. The worst case scenario is you don't move either of these guys in season, and then you end up with one of those top picks, 
and everyone knows that mm. you're trying to unload one of these guys for 50 cents on the dollar. Like, right. better to act now, I guess. Yeah, I mean, and no one's saying that Bledsoe and Knight aren't strong assets. I mean, Knight's only 24. You know, in normal under normal normal circumstances, he's still a nice, strong asset to have around. I think they they looked at this a little bit too, like, idealistically and thought, like, you know, he's really good. We'll just bring him off the bench, and he'll be great off the bench. Like, you you got to take into account, like you said, how that affects, you know, his psyche, how what, that affects how he prepares. Who What's uh, – which, which pair of assets do you like more, and which pair of assets do you think – are easier to move uh Knight and Bledsoe or Okafor and Noel that's a really good comparison I, I like Bledsoe the most out of those four players mm-hmm. um but I might take Okafor and Noel two and three I think I think I still like Bledsoe and Knight um just because with those two there isn't like one you know glaring limitation like mm-hmm. with Okafor it's like this guy can't play D at all any team could take Bledsoe or Knight and deploy them Without issue, yeah. Like you 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 could put either of those guards mm-hmm. on any team in the league, and at worst they'd be like the sixth man or right, seventh yeah. man, you know, like, and they would be seeing twenty five plus minutes a game. Whereas Noel and Okafor, I feel like you're extremely limited in mm-hmm. just the teams that are willing to deal with you at all, let, let alone right. like what what the asking price is. Yeah, Noel's an interesting one. I wonder if those two teams would talk. You know, like Philly could certainly use a guard like either of those guys. Yeah, but you, you, I mean, then you have you know, it's not like Phoenix doesn't have young big men. That well, it, they, you know, they have. yeah, but it's like if they're gonna trade one of those guys, like what are they getting back? Like they have they have everything on paper, you know, like they have young big men, they have these young guards, they have these young wings, but like you know, they are still a two and five. Would team. you do? Do you think both teams would do Okafor for Knight? I mean, there'd have to be some other salary I think involved, but uh-huh. I think in a vacuum. Phoenix probably wouldn't do it right now, but in like three months, maybe they would. Yeah. I think they'd do Noel for night. You think they'd rather have Noel than Okafor? Yeah. I don't. I, th- I think teams, like, why, why do teams want Okafor? I mean, he's a really good post scorer in theory. Uh, I don't know what Noel's good at. Like, he's good at accumulating blocks and steals yeah. but i don't think that necessarily means he's a elite defender like you can you can get blocks and steals without being an elite defender like yeah. I, I just don't i don't think i don't think there's any scenario where nerlens noel is playing big minutes on a i guess i'd kind of say that about okafor too, i don't know though like, yeah it's like they're both good at certain things in small doses that, and that's why i think i would take knight and bloods over them because they're just more mm-hmm. complete players who who does Phoenix need to move the most at some point? Is it like is it Tyson Chandler or is it Brandon Knight? And they uh, don't need to move either of them. Like I that. just think I think they should they should really try to make moving one of Knight or Bledsoe a priority yes. during the season. So I, I I don't think you have to move one or the other, but or I mean I I, I just don't know where they're them, going with this team. Like you said, they have an odd mix of guys like Knight and Bledsoe who are still young, not quite in their prime, but they're also not like, like you wouldn't say they're like young ass. What if they end up what if they they're picking say they're picking second and their top player on their board is Markel Fultz and he falls to them at number two, like and they take Markel Fultz. Yeah. Then all of a sudden you're looking at a team where you might want Bledsoe and Knight coming off the bench. Yeah, like yeah, that you makes would. no I, sense yeah. at all. Like <laughs> you you can't do. I that. almost think like they they probably are like behind the scenes are like oh man we we 
drafted too well. You know, like we didn't think Booker would be this good this fast. Or we didn't think Warren would be this good this fast. Like they're almost they're almost on like odd developmental timelines uh, that conflict. And I mean, I'm kidding, of course. It's not like you can ever have and you can't have too many good players. But it's created these kind of situations where I don't think they thought you know, having to tell Brandon Knight he's moving to the bench would happen this quickly because they never thought Booker would be good enough for that to be a scenario that has to unfold, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think they're just... They're, they're sort of in low-key asset collection mode like the, the Sixers were and, like, the, the Celtics were and, like, even the Nuggets are and, like, the Suns don't seem to ever really get brought up with those teams. Like, you hear the Nuggets and Celtics brought up a lot in like potential DeMarcus Cousins mm-hmm. stuff and, and teams that could potentially make big-time package offers. The Suns should be mentioned uh, in yeah. those teams, especially considering their their pick coming up here. And they're also going to get uh, – are they getting that Lakers pick? Am I making that up? Like they still have a Steve Nash Lakers pick, I think, coming in. Do they? Um, I might be making that up. I'll, uh, I, I f- well, I'll, I'll check on I that. I feel like the Suns are, are in maybe not as good a shape as Boston picks-wise – uh, over the next couple of years, but I think they're they're definitely one of the top two or three teams in terms of picks that they can trade. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I mean, they get a first round pick from Miami. Oh yeah, uh, and the, right. I believe that's for the Drogic deal. Yeah. That's top seven protected, and that's 2018. Okay. Um, but if that goes, if Miami falls in the top seven in 2018, then it would go unprotected in 2019. That's a nice asset. Yeah, that's a very good asset. I mean, who knows where Miami's going to be next year? It's it's impossible to project. But they also have a future pick, 2021 first-rounder coming from Miami. So start projecting that out. <laughs> uh, but, no, that's a good point about the about DeMarcus Cousins or you know any superstar who might get dealt at some point. Is like, would you rather have, I don't know, Gary Harris, Wilson Chandler, uh, and, like, Jokic, or, like, Bledsoe Knight, and Bender or Chris. Well, I wouldn't. Like, I wouldn't take both guys. I, I think. Well, you know what I mean. Like, I think uh, the Suns. You know, everyone talks about uniting uh, John Wall and Cousins. I mean, Bledsoe is on that Kentucky team yeah. too. I, Deron I, Lamb. Let's grab him too. <laughs> uh, I think if you were trying to construct something for Cousins with the Kings from Phoenix's side, uh, Knights definitely in that package. One of Bender or Chris is definitely in that package. Um, you know, maybe even a guy like TJ Warren is in that package. Like that, you, maybe you do like a Knight, Warren, Chris, mm-hmm. and then like a a pick down the road or something like that. I think that's that's a. I think that's more intriguing to me. Like Wilson Chandler, whatever. Like in, unless I'm getting Jokic, Jamal Murray, or Moutier, I or maybe I might need both of the two of those guys yeah. to, to even listen on cousins. I know. I think that's fair. I think, I think that sounds like if you're a Suns fan, you know, you're probably thinking like, Oh, no way. We're parting with TJ Warren. The way his plan, like you're getting DeMarcus cousins back. You you're getting like a, you know, you should, superstar. You should be extremely willing to part with TJ. Yes. Warren. He's not a two way player. He's a, a really, really good, uh, scorer in, in the half court. But he's a guy that needs the ball. Like, look at the, those shots. He's taking 18 shots a game. Like, he's not going to be able to do that on right. a good team. Like, you, if he's on a good team, he's like a sixth man. And he's averaging like just over one assist per game. And this, right. these are basically like Jabari Parker numbers. Yeah, yeah. He's Jabari Parker, who is a better three point shooter. Right. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, Cavaliers. You know, I obviously always want to talk Cavs. Uh, Talking Cavs. You know, my my hometown Cleveland Cavaliers are six and zero. It's the best start of LeBron James' career, just if you're wondering. Cool. Uh, yeah, thanks. And they have three <laughs> games this week, so no back-to-backs. 
Can the Cavs start 9-0? and Yes. Will the Cavs start 9-0? Well, let's see who they're playing. <laughs> I think it's, it's Atlanta, Charlotte, and Washington, I believe. Not in that order. I think it's yeah. Atlanta, Washington. Home Charlotte. for Atlanta, at Washington, home for Charlotte. I predict they will start 9-0. and Heard it here first. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? And then um, you have that, and next week's first game of next week is uh, Toronto at home. Yeah. And that'll be on, on a couple days rest, so. Yeah, second meeting with Toronto already. They have, a, they have Toronto at home, and then the back-to-back in Indiana. Indi- Indiana. Uh, you'd think it'd be tough for them to start 11-0. and Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, they've looked good. Obviously, being 6-0 and is an accomplishment when you're the only – uh, remaining undefeated team, but they've they let Philly hang around, um, you know, much much more than it should have. That was a, a very close game late. They let Orlando get back into a game last week. They let Boston uh, get back into their game. Boston, yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me, a, a Horford and Thomas list. As I'm like completely <laughs> losing my voice right now, a Horford and a Thomas list uh, Boston team. So I, I think we're seeing from this Cavs team uh, more consistency, I guess, overall than I expected, but. At the same time, it's not like they're blowing everybody out. They're, they're doing just enough to win these games, and I think eventually that's going to catch up to them. Well, catch up to them, like, meaning they lose a regular season. Right, yeah, exactly. And they, <laughs> like, and they're not, I mean, they've, they've squeaked yeah. out a couple that could have probably gone either way with, like, four minutes left, you know, and, right. and a lot of that is credit to them because they've played well enough and executed well enough late to win these games, but, you know, I, I, eventually that's not going to keep happening. Yeah, I mean, Kyrie Irving's been great. Uh Definitely, you heard that here first, that this was going to be kind of Kyrie's breakout year. Uh, LeBron has just been kind of, whenever he needs to dominate, he dominates. and He needs to stop shooting threes. That that just needs to, to happen. 25% mm-hmm. thus far. I mean, not really surprising. That's... I think, see, I don't, I think he needs to shoot threes, and I think he needs to shoot them, especially when he's open, and it's... Like, there's a time when you can pass on an open three. Like, if it's early in the shot clock and you're yeah. LeBron, you should pass on an open three. Uh, he needs if, – if the defense is forcing – is like, just saying, LeBron, you have to shoot this three, I think he needs to shoot him because I think that's going to be a big part of the scheme against them in the postseason. No, so for sure. if he goes all season just passing up threes and then come postseason – that's the only look they're getting. He that's kind to, of how he's operated these that. last few years, though. Yeah. Like he was, you know, clanking threes all throughout right. last season. Then he comes in and shoots thirty four percent in the playoffs. Right. A couple years ago with Miami, it was the same story. All of a sudden, he shoots forty one percent in the playoffs. Like you're getting that one seed, whether he shoots yeah. threes or doesn't shoot threes. So, well, I think it's just more a matter of him finding comfortability. You know, I don't think there's a, a magic number he needs to get to. It's just when did when does he or can he? I guess at this point, even regain uh, even a thirty percent you know, stroke from three. The thing is with LeBron is he'll miss, you know, he'll go one for 10 over a span of three games. I don't have a game where he goes like seven of eight. And it's it's just, he's very streaky, I guess, when it comes to three-point shooting. But the Cavs look good, uh, very, very good overall. Uh, love Irving, LeBron, all averaging 20 points per game. Uh, I think they should easily get three all-stars this year, right? Barring a setback. Uh, Yeah, I didn't have love in. I didn't think he would average... 20 points a game. And I mean, I, he's been the focal point of that offense, really. And I didn't think that they would uh, – I thought that they would get, like, the one seed or, you know, top two seed. I didn't think they would be just, like, the clear talk of the mm-hmm. league because I thought that the Warriors would be. Um, so I, I didn't have them getting in. 
but uh yeah i mean i think as long as they kind of continue on this pace and he his numbers sort of stay what they are right now then he'll definitely get in mm-hmm. um i wanted to ask you just you know general surprises thus far good or bad i mean for me you and I have been always on the side of Rick Carlisle and, you know, Dallas starting one and five, getting their first win last night in overtime at home against Milwaukee. It was surprising. And, you know, Dirk being out kind of complicates that. And Darren Williams is already banged up. Um, but this Dallas team, even with Harrison Barnes playing well, does not look like a playoff team right now. No, I, I honestly haven't been following them that closely, but it is surprising to see uh them being at one and five right now they have I mean all their losses have come to teams that I think a lot of most people predicted to make the playoffs you know Blazers Jazz Rockets twice Pacers three of those games coming on the road uh well they they beat the Bucks uh that was the (laughs) did you watch any of that last night no I'm gonna guess no the Bucks scored 75 points in an overtime game did you okay well it scored one I'm point. Glad, glad I didn't watch that. Twelve to one. Did you see the whole thing about Cuban banning? Yes. Um, I mean, that's that's how bad things are in Dallas. Yeah, right I, that like, was odd, right? I mean, like, there's we can talk about that quickly. So he he revoked game credentials for Mark Stein, who mm-hmm. everyone knows, and Tim McMahon, I believe, right. was the other one who was used to be an ESPN Dallas mm-hmm. reporter, and he I think you know ESPN reassigned him to just be more of a national reporter, mm-hmm. but he's still based in Dallas. Stein's based in Dallas, and Cuban just pulled the credentials. From what it seems like, because he was frustrated that ESPN wasn't dedicating exclusive coverage to the Mavericks, right. like they do to other teams, you know, they Lakers. Were, they Knicks. were treating them like the yeah. the Cavs or the Warriors. Like it happens. Here's the thing: like it it isn't isn't it kind of like one of those things where you uh, you find like your girlfriend's like starting to like lay the groundwork to break up with you or. Uh, you you kind of think she might, and like you dump her really quick, like just to kind of get the et- like he he's one and five right now. You want to dump her before like, she dumps like, you? Yeah, like it's sort of you resign you before just, you get fired. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I, I feel like this is just sort of a it, like this is as petty as you can possibly yeah. get as a as a franchise. Like I know you, I know it matters like a tiny bit if there is an ESPN hub in in your city and it's covering your team every day, but like. In the grand scheme of things, who gives a crap? Like, right. Just, I just, just feel like kind of we're kind of about beyond that. It's like there are worry not about the other news sources, you know? Like, yeah. And, you know, nobody's trashing the Mav. It's not, yeah. I mean, a all lot of teams don't have All you're creating those. a ton of negative publicity from this. Right. Like, like Cuban can't, Cuban can't come out of this looking good, right? Like, the inevitable thing is he's going to have to give them their credentials back, right? Right. Like, you can't ban Mark Stein from your arena. It's pretty pathetic. And Stein, like, Stein's been a kind of a he he always picks up the Mavs and always yeah. like talks speaks uh, no one speaks badly of, about the Mavs. Of Dirk like like Stein's just constantly like kind of a positive voice out there for just you know Mavericks and, and Dirk Nowitzki and everything and you're gonna alienate alienate him mm-hmm. uh so yeah the Mavs definitely probably have to top the list of of most uh surprising teams in a in a negative in a negative light, uh, the the T Wolves, who I was pumping pretty hard before yeah. the season. Um, I mean, I, I think with all these teams, it's it's too early to really read much into it. But um, you know, you'd expect them to lose on the road in Memphis, on the road in OKC. 
but yeah, I think you'd expect them to to go in and get a win against the Kings in Sacramento and, and win at home against the Nuggets. Uh, both of those games they blew late. I think one of the reasons that I was high on them uh, this year was that I just thought with a guy like Tom Thibodeau being the coach instead of Sam Mitchell, not only would a lot of these players develop into to solid defenders, which is a process that was going to take time, wasn't going to show up right away in the first week or two of the season, but mm-hmm. I thought that they would be better in late-game situations, and they have not been at all. No. Uh, they they really should have won all four of their, their first uh, four games of the season, so um, surprising there, but definitely not a cause, definitely not time to panic in full, because like I said, they, they could have won those games. Um, a, a positive surprise for me, um, I will. We'll, I assume we'll talk about the Lakers in a bit here, but uh, I didn't think the Hornets would be. Uh, you know, I, I predicted they would struggle to get into the postseason. I still think that's possible. I mean, their wins are against the Nets, the Sixers, the Bucks, and the Heat. So, yikes! Not not a big not a big deal, but um, you know, the fact that they're four and one, I think, is a sign of a, a well coached mm-hmm. team that just is winning the games they're supposed to win. So, I mean, that hats off to them. Speaking of the Hornets, did you have a chance to listen to Nick Batum on the, on the low post at all? Uh, uh, listen to some of it. Episode. Yeah. Very interesting stuff. Um, interesting Brandon Roy discussion. Uh, did you get to the part about Damian Lillard and the, the game winner against Houston? Uh, no. Did you, were you, are you old enough to remember Brandon Roy? Yeah, I'm old <laughs> enough to remember Brandon Roy. <laughs> I was, yes. I was, Timberwolves great Brandon Roy right <laughs> no I remember I remember watching him in college which seems you know I'm dating myself even with that um and I mean he was unbelievable we don't really have to go into too much about that I mean Batum called him the best player that he's ever played with you know and it was an easy decision and I don't think he meant that as a slight to to Dame or to LMA or anything but uh yeah I don't I don't know if, if Brandon Roy is still properly appreciated in the general basketball community I think he is among uh among nerds and diehards you know i mean it's not a he probably isn't appreciated in right just kind of your general sports audience uh do we want to talk about the lakers yeah yeah i would love to t- i'm glad that the lakers are playing respectable basketball luke walton you know welcomes the the warriors to la over the weekend beats them by 20 I'm on- uh, nick young is all of a sudden like a viable two-way player i don't know what's happening i'm i'm on the uh I was looking at their schedule on on ESPN.com, and uh, there's a video that it's it's saying I should click on about the Lakers. It's like Lakers fast start is surprising, and the the expert who's talking about the Lakers is Byron Scott. So what? Uh, gotta gotta love getting Byron Scott's take on a team that is flourishing now that he's he's out. This is like going to be a whole Mark Jackson this, situation. This is like a worse. It, this it? is like. And even more pronounced, like Mark Jackson. Well, actually, wait, that's a good one. Bigger gap in coaching quality, uh, Kerr to Jackson or Byron Scott to Luke Walton? I think it's got to be Scott to Walton, right? We don't even know if Walton's that good yet. I think well, he is. See, but... that's what makes it. Because so, like, you can we can agree, right, that Jackson and Scott are below average coaches. Uh, Both. Yes. Yeah. But, like, at least Mark Jackson did pretty well with the Warriors. But, yeah, at some, at some point you have to wonder, like, with are they just that good? those players. Yeah. Like, I mean, but, like. You would agree that Steve Kerr is like a, a really good coach. Yeah. So of course, like yeah. you go below average to really good is probably bigger than well, 
I mean, the the gap, like you're talking about Kerr and Byron Scott, like that's these are one of the best and one of the worst. And then I feel like Luke Walton and Mark Jackson are probably right around kind of that that middle area. Um, I think, yeah, I think Mark Jackson was a controversial, uh, somewhat unorthodox. At least I would hate playing. I would hate playing for him too. Like he would. I feel like the the right players might play well under him, but like I think a lot of my coach, I would absolutely hate it. Yeah, I think he kind of had a divided locker room, right? As far as yeah. you know, I don't think it was like people hated him or anything. I don't but think, I think th- some of the team was like totally cool with what he was doing. Other members yeah. of the team, Andrew Bogut, maybe were yeah. not. Um, but I mean, they've beaten so the, the Lakers have beaten the Rockets, the Hawks, the Warriors, and the Suns. Three of those teams are pretty good teams, really good teams. Even is the and, Warriors one of those teams? Yeah, and they they blew out uh, the Warriors. So. Um, and their only three losses come on the road against other good teams, the Jazz, Thunder, and Pacers. So um, this is really pretty impressive. It's interesting. I mean, if Luke Walton just gets this team to, like, I don't know, 500, is he, like, just coach of the year automatically? Like That's really interesting. Um, I don't – maybe. Because like, this, this is a team that coming into the year, okay. like, some people were saying – would everyone kind of agreed they'd be a bottom three team. Like, some right. people were saying they'd be the worst team in the league. So – only three coaches in NBA history have won Coach of the Year uh, with 500 or below as the, as the winning okay. percentage. So Hubie Brown did it in 77-88, 41 wins. Doc Rivers in 1999-2000 41 with, with Orlando and was Coach of the Year. And Red Kerr won 33 games and somehow won Coach of the Year in 1966. Uh, but it's a, it's a different time, I think – the last coach to not the last coach to win fewer than fifty games would be named Coach of the Year was Sam Mitchell. Man, what a stud! Yeah, Byron Scott was named Coach of the Year with fifty six wins, yeah. so it's anything's possible here. Right, right. Mike Brown won a Coach of the right, Year. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, the the list of recent terrible coaches to win Coach of the Year: Avery Johnson, another one. Uh, the the list of those guys is always funny. Yeah, I think I think there's just so many good coaches in the league right now. That I think you probably got to get to like forty five if you're losing. The league to, really to did the, purge the, itself the of like it, the worst of the worst right. this last year. Like we're going in, it's like it's hard to say like, like what coach we tried. You know who's going to get fired first? Like mm-hmm. there's really no ob- like last year there were like three or four situations where you're just like you know you can totally see this guy getting fired here. Not so much. I think he has to get to like forty three wins with this team, and they have to they have to have a couple more signature wins against good teams, and Luke Walton could be a serious contender. I don't think anyone's ever won it back to back. No one ever has, from what I'm looking at here. Right. So that means Kerr's out, and and uh, but Luke would be a semi close version of winning That's it back to back because he did coach the team that the coach of the year came from for for that a stretch is, there. That is a good point. Um, that's a fun little trivia fact. Uh, maybe down the road, if he ends up does, insider ends fact, up pulling stuff this you're out. only going to find on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. um, anybody else we want to talk about? I just want to look up the voting for coach of the year. I don't know; it's not on here. Um, I because I thought he he received votes, right? Like he, I thought he, Luke Walton finished like third or fourth or something. No, I thought so. Really? Or or did they? Or was he off the ballot? I can't imagine him getting votes. I don't. Yeah, I I think he just qualified with Kerr. Like I don't think you can have two coaches from the same team. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it would have just been completely. Well, otherwise, like David Blatt probably would have got a couple. Um, yeah, what else, well, we got there's got to be something else. Um, I mean, would, I want to talk about the Bucks. <laughs> yeah, you do. No, I'm um, 
Or should should the Celtics be worried at all? Should Celtics fans who thought that they were going to cruise to the mid fifties and wins this year be worried at all? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the Celtics themselves have said, you know, we're not that good, and I, I think that's more of just kind of, you know, just you know, just being despondent after after a loss and then having to watch the film. But yeah, I mean, you get blown out to Denver by Denver by you know, almost 20 points that's not a bad Denver team but you know if you fancy yourself the second best team in the east that's not a game that you lose in that fashion so you know I'd I think when you when you talk about bringing in a guy like Al Horford no one was like did you hear anyone question like how's he gonna fit with this team over the summer and you know with a guy like Horford who's not a big alpha dog he's so versatile like you don't even take into account like what his addition means and we just assumed he would fit seamlessly and make them, you know, five or six wins better, and that really hasn't been the case so far. Yeah, uh, as you know, I I took the under on them at uh, I took the under on them at fifty one and a half. It went up to fifty two and a half, and I yeah, I took the under there too with a, with a buddy of mine. Um, we were doing some some bets. Everyone was just loving them at at way over that fifty one and a half, and I think that it it's uh. You know, a lot of times you'll see when a team takes a big step forward and the talent maybe doesn't quite back up that big step forward, uh, you see some regression. I think uh, with a coach like Brad Stevens, who's probably trying a lot of um, interesting stuff, you're going to see the league kind of catch up to some of that and and find a way to better defend it. I think they also won a lot of close games last year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, That's the type of thing that can regress as well. And uh, they just don't have... It, it's hard for them to score. Like, like it's hard for them to create well, offense. Like, they have to win. They, they're the second-best team in the league in terms of offensive rating, but they're 29th defensively. Like they're, the defense hasn't been there, and, you hmm. know, missing Horford for a little bit now, and it sounds like he's probably not going to play in the next game. Hasn't helped. Being without Olenek, Crowder's hurt. I mean, there, there are reasons for these things, but, yeah, I mean, seeing, it, this, seeing this team 29th in defense after, you know, two weeks into the season is shocking. Are the Bulls still good? Uh, the Bulls have beat the Celtics twice, but oh, they're three and also three. no. Okay, good. Yeah, um, they just got housed by New York on glad, national TV the other glad, night. Glad to see that. Yeah, uh, uh, Mark. I want to talk about Marcus. The Smart, Knicks are too. still bad. That's good. Knicks um, are bad. Okay. Uh, they looked really good against Chicago, but Chicago might also be bad too. I think could the you, NBA. Did you watch that game? Yeah, I did. I thought we promised not to watch those games. The Bulls. Well, there's the Bulls only like there's like 35 more of them. We'll be fine. <laughs> no, I did watch it. It was on. All right, it was just on. Uh, it was, was just it? on. It was just yeah. It was just on the TV. I could not right? watch it. Yeah. Right well, it would, you know, you, it's not it every on. day you get to watch <laughs> Kristaps Porzingis. Um, I mean, could the NBA be like the NFL? Like we're in the middle of the hopefully season. Hopefully not. I don't. Well, need no. You to, well, you would finish that sentence, but well, we might not. we might get to the middle of the season and it's like, well, the Warriors are good, the Cavs are good, and then everybody else is a seven and nine team. Well, the Clippers are good. Uh, Clippers are good. The Clippers have looked very good. The I think the Hawks are good. <laughs> I think the Spurs are good. Spurs are fine. Um, Hawks, yeah. Detroit. Man, Detroit's Hawks. been really shaky, but they're four and two. Guess who has? Without looking, guess who has the best uh, plus-minus differential in the league right now? In terms of scoring, yeah. Ooh, um, trying to think of who's one big. Is San Antonio? Nope. Um, Western Conference team. Not the Bucks. <laughs> Clips. Yep. All right. Guess who, guess who's second? Jeez, I. Eastern Conference team. 
Cavs? Hawks. Hawks. Okay, so we'll, so there you have it. Those are the only, Finals preview, Clippers those are, Hawks. Those are the only two teams with uh, double-digit uh, plus-minus differentials, which which means next to nothing after six games, it, but just, right. just worth throwing that out there. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, that's like like I said, I think you could pencil those two who's, in as, as the Finals. Who's going to win more games out of the Sixers and the Pelicans? Uh, both I think both have yet to win a game. Pelicans. No, Pelicans won. They have a win, don't they? No. They really don't? No. Where am I getting? Am I getting bad info here? Yeah, you're right. Wow, they don't. Um, <laughs> no, getting, they don't. My Pelicans guy's been lying to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, get, a no, better, yeah. get a better <laughs> Pelicans hookup. Yeah, see, I talk to a guy once a month who tells me everything I need to know about the Pelicans. No, you're right. Um, I think the Pelicans win more. They've at least been close to winning. And I mean, so have the Sixers, to be fair. But they've also, like, the Sixers had two games already that they should have won, that almost every team wins, but <laughs> they found ways to <laughs> choke them away. Like, that Magic game from last week, you can't lose that. Like, the Pelicans I, don't even lose I that. Although, literally no idea what you're talking about because I would not watch I think that you were game. playing hoops that night. Okay. That's, what, that's one of the nights okay. I stayed home to watch Magic. You know Pals. that Sixers Magic game from last <laughs> week? Like, no, I don't. Oh, I do. <laughs> uh, well, see, the bad thing is here the Pelicans parted ways with Lance, mm-hmm. with Born Ready. Uh, so, that I mean, you have no, like, you're already 0 6. I don't see why you cut your best player at this point. Like, it just didn't really make sense Wait, to me. Tim Frazier's not the best player? I thought you were going to say Solomon Hill, uh, <laughs> who is benched, I think, for Terrence Jones. Like, this is just a joke. That, like, it's just these, a joke. These are, like, real basketball what a joke sentences. Team. Uh, hey, Drew Holiday, I think, is supposed to be back middle of the month. You know, is Alvin and prayers. Who, who's more likely to get fired out of Alvin Gentry and Brett Brown? Alvin Gentry, right? Is he the most likely coach to get fired? I don't think. Season? Yeah, no, I, I still would put my money on. Actually, no one. I don't know. Like, would like, a desperate Dell Demps fire him, like, to try to who, buy though? himself, like, another year? Like, Maybe. But, like, who who would you hire that you say, like, this is worth, you know, if you're Dell Demps, you're going to make don't that think, move? I don't think Dell Demps actually has firing power anymore, no. um, which is which is good. Yeah, that's that's an unenviable situation. But, all right, let's wrap it up. This one's been a little bit discombobulated, but, you know, thanks for providing it's the probably better games. than what you usually get out of, out of DJ, am <laughs> oh, right? Oh, whoa. DJ, if you're listening, sorry, get back soon. We'll see you later. (laughs) They're going to kill the love of my life. If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide. In theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13.